What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast, the alternative underground back alley secret society underbelly speakeasy dive bar style podcast of and about and surrounding the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting that podcast action from Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple. Oh, and if you're listening on Apple, Say hello by giving us a five-star review. That's right. We like five-tool baseball players, but you know what we like more? Five-star reviews, so don't be scared to do that. On today's episode, we are talking about the starting pitching. So, yeah, it's some easy listening shit on a Friday that we're dropping this episode. You know what? The pitching's one of the strong points of the Mariners if you're just, you know, joining us here and just coming out of a fog and going, oh, yeah. You know, we've been complaining about everything else, what we need, what we don't have. Well, guess what we do have a lot of? Starting pitching. That's carried us. It's too bad that MLB Network or MLB.com doesn't even put the Mariners on the top 10 starting pitching staffs. But you know what? Who gives a shit what they got to say? We know our pitching staff is good. We had a good time talking about it, discussing the top four and what we do with the five. At the time of the recording, Jerry just came out and said, hey, we're going to go with five, but maybe that might change at spring training. You never know. Um, I think the idea is to have five, but I still wouldn't rule out that you could see a possible six starter or some starters missing starts. It's a long season. Last year, we were very healthy, but you never know. So we're kind of discussing that and what's maybe coming up the pipeline. Anyways, it's a fun, easy listening episode and a little update on our Tom Hutler episode that is going to drop next Tuesday, right on Valentine's Day, because we want to give some love to the Mariners public address announcer who has been the public address announcer since 1987. You know his voice. Now you're going to hear some of his stories right here on the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. We cannot wait for you to hear that. Anyways, I'm going to shut the hell up and get out of the way so you can listen to the newest episode of the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast that was recorded at Murphy's Pub on 45th in Wallingford right now. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ballgame. I want to see the ants. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. This is our first, I think our attempt, right, Hannah, of like really diving in, and this will just be the start of diving in on the pitching because it hasn't been an issue. We've dealt with a lot of issues, wants, visions of what the team should look like offensively, but we have not really touched on the pitching. No, you're much. right. I mean, this offseason going into it, we looked for the hitting because that was the big problem. The 18-inning game, not scoring a run. Um, the problems down the stretch with not being able to produce the runs that we would hope. And the pitching has been a strength, so it's been something we've kind of you know, 
put on the back burner so it's nice to get around and talk about talk about something very positive yeah and today won't be the last time we're talking about pitching i feel like when we get into spring training we're going to be talking a lot about the pitching uh you know as far as like who's healthy who's emerging who's out there you know working for roster spots as far as you know the starting rotation I feel like it would be safe to say right now it's going to be the same five or six guys that were up in the air of who's the starting five in the middle of last season, right? Definitely. We have, you know, Luis Castillo coming off a, you want to say a breakout season or improvement season. Now he's coming into this season like maybe being a Cy Young candidate. He's improved his game that much. Yeah, I think he's... An improvement or just growing into his prime season. Yeah, I shouldn't call it a breakout year. He just he's steady improvement over his career, and he's got better, and he really showed it last year. And he's on a playoff team. Yeah, but to be fair, if you're just looking at the numbers for Luis Castillo in his career since 2017, he this will blow your mind to the Mariners fans because because we're just like, dude, this dude is is the guy. He's he reminds you of Felix, right? Yeah, he's the with, with the charisma. we've waited for. But here's the thing that kind of blows my mind. He has a losing record as as a pitcher, which I know the wins All and losses. you mean? Yeah. yeah but 48 eight, and 55. 48 and 55, which we know that the wins and losses don't mean the same. It's not Don Sutton out there. You know, this is these these kinds of things don't really matter. It's about the other intangibles that pitchers bring to a game. Absolutely. It's all about his pitches, you know, and the way he throws his fastball. He can run it in on a guy. He can cut it away. Um, he throws that hard change-up that can get guys out in front, along with that wipeout slider. It's about his stuff. Mm-hmm. It's about his velocity, and he's hitting his spots now. Way Absolutely. better earlier in his career. And he's got this tailing movement on his fastball now that has just improved. Yeah, I don't like to look at fan graphs too much. I know we have to here on the show, you know, to appease to the analytics crowd. I, I do call me old-fashioned, call me uh, every other word in the book, but sometimes I just pull up MLB.com, and they actually don't have him as our uh, number one in the depth. Oh, not at all. I think he's growing. I think he's going to be a better pitcher this year than he was in previous years. I think he's improving. His accuracy, his fastball is improving. And I seriously think he's going to be a you know a top three pitcher in the AL this year. Especially, well, we have Shohei and we have DeGrom now in our division. Yeah, and I look at his pitches and the sequencing and how often he pitches it. They're, he throws four pitches, you know. He's got his fastball, sinker, changeup, and slider. And they're all about the same percentages. I mean, his four seam he throws about 32% of the time, and the rest are all around 22, 21. I mean, that is hard as a hitter to not zone in on a pitch and, and where on the plate and at what time it's coming. If, it's, if you're ahead in the count or if you're behind the count, I mean, that is, that is tough for a hitter to face. Yeah, I, I saw an increase in his velocity at the end of last year, too. He was hitting 100 with really good movement, which is, you know, hitting 100 fast is one thing. Hitting your spot with movement is another thing. And he was, at the end of the year, he was really showing me, like, what he could do. The thing I love about him most is probably how he finishes 
a strikeout or gets that third out. I love all of his antics on the mound. I told you when I was down in uh, Anaheim, I said, the first time I saw him in a Mariners uniform, I said, what's up, Casillo? Welcome to the Mariners. And he blew me a kiss. And I was like, what? Was that well, the and then he started blowing kisses to everybody that yelled at him, and I was like, "Fuck this guy!" No, but he's he's so cool. He he sidewinds that that finish on his uh, fastball or changeup, whatever I, unpredictable pitch he's throwing up there. I, I love his swag. I love the swag. You know, I love the the blowing the kisses in the air. I love the the fist that he does. He's consistent and cool and calm. The same guy that you get when he's not having his best day and the guy that you get when he's having his best day seems like the same thing. And that's that's what I like. And the thing that I think is different than Felix, I mean, they're different pitchers, right? But Felix, you know, when things were going bad, he you could tell when things were going bad out there on the mound. You could see it. Yeah, his mannerisms were different. They yeah. changed. And you don't see that on the analytic sheets, but that's something that you would see if you go to the games. You're nodding. I didn't. wasn't really too familiar with Luis Castillo before last season. And then I started, you know, once the um, the trade was trade made. rumors started coming around and he became available. I started looking into him more. Yeah, and once he came over to us, I think he te- took it to a whole other level, trying to get to the playoffs. Absolutely, but the other thing is we have to remember he started the season with being injured or prolonging the start of the season last year. The Mariners did not have anybody that was injured, but like I said before on episode, Asterix, Luis Casillo was, but he wasn't on the Mariners. You know, pitching staff where it's like, we don't have to shove him out there if he's not ready or he needs he needs a blow for a week or two. It's a, it's a long season, and, you know, I think we'll be seeing him in, uh, you know, October, uh, hopefully November. Major League Baseball presents Big League Tips. Here's how to figure an earned run average. First of all, take the total number of earned runs that you've allowed, say 20. You divide that by the number of innings that you've pitched, let's say 80. Now that'll give you a figure, 80 into 20, of .250. Now you take .250, multiply that by nine to give you a number of runs per nine inning. This would be 2.25. In ERA of that, you'd be pitching awfully well. Baseball fever, catch it. Major League Baseball. I guess I would probably put Robbie Ray. I would go right, left. Uh, Shelly, the owner of uh, Murphy's, agrees as long as those pants are tight. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Robbie Ray, uh, do you think he could be the number, the, the, the two? Yeah, this year I kind of do. I mean, I would like to have maybe a different conversation next year. With you know, we'll get into the rest of the team and the and the arms on the team. I can see our the rest of our guys elevating their their games up to maybe change that in years to come. You know, I think we have the staff that could be possibly like the Atlanta Braves that we grew up with in the '90s. Those type yep. of players, or like but the Phillies in the 2000s. Absolutely. So, but right now, to keep. You know, Ray's getting paid a lot of money. Let's put him in that pressure pack situation as a number two. And the key to it is switching up to being a lefty. Yeah, and I feel like, look, with Ray, and you know I went through the ups and downs and the, and, and the roller coaster with him. The start of the season last year, we were like, when did we just buy a lemon here? You know, because it seemed like he had a very checkered 
past as far as good year, bad year, good year, bad year. But uh, you know, the you know most of the season, I'd say a third of the season to the very end of the season, he definitely looked like that Cy Young ace. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, it's it's the difference between Robbie Ray is him facing the uh, the rest of the American League and him facing the Astros. I mean, in three games versus the Astros, he had almost an 11 ERA. And versus everybody else, he was only at three, 3.28. And against the Astros, I mean, he, he ended up having an average against a 4.24. And against the other teams, it was only 2.14. So, I mean, that's a massive difference. And that's what fans remember when he struggled. And the last remembrance of Robbie Ray is that home run. And that's, unfortunately for him... That's part of being in the business and in the big leagues, and hopefully he bounces back and has some success. That's the main factor this year against Houston. You're right, and but when you're in that position, you get the ball in those tough situations, and I feel like that was an organizational thing, too, to put him out there, just like it wasn't just a Scott Service uh, you know, decision. Absolutely. It seemed like an analytical and, and pre- I, I, not premeditated, but the, their thought process is they had a certain situation they wanted to bring Robbie Ray in at a certain time, wouldn't you say, Ninja? Oh, they Scott Cervis, he uh, said they had meetings about it, you know, before that, for that exact same situation. I wish I was involved. With, uh, you know, everybody on the staff sitting around a table talking about, well, if this situation presents itself, what are we going to do? And, well, we're going to bring in Robbie Ray to face Alvarez, and that's our decision. It was not the right one. Uh, we've talked about this. Our relief pitchers have all throughout the year been on the ropes. That's what they do. That's what kind of blood they have. That's what kind of nerves they have. That's who they are. It, I didn't really like the move. I didn't hate the move. I didn't like it. I hated the pitch selection. But, again, on the other side of that, they knew what was coming as well. Well, with I mean, the postseason's a whole different ball game when they're bringing in starters in the relief situation to lock somebody down. Do you think it was the numbers, or what? What, what, what did the Mariners see in your mind, Ninja, that told them to bring Robbie Ray in at that time? It was uh, Jordan Alvarez's split stat, split stats against the cutter on the inside part of the plate, and he that's his worst OPS, his worst average. He was hitting like 170 against that. He's hitting 350 against like every other pitch in the zone there. So they had the meeting of what is what is Jordan Alvarez's worst pitch to hit against, and they determined it's Robbie Ray's left-handed cutter on the inside of the plate. And unfortunately, Alvarez knew that that was their scouting of him too, and he knew the pitch was coming. He just had to execute and hit it, and the pitch kind of missed the plate. But so the, the, the decision was <laughs> right by the Mariners. The execution is what failed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, we saw a beach ball. We got a beach ball. I mean, the pitch before that, people forget, he fucking tomahawked that one too. He's a dangerous hitter. One of, I mean, top five in the MVP race. Oh, but You guys said it in the last episode. He's ranked number one in his outfield position this year at it and he wasn't ranked last year there's a reason for it yeah you know who was in his in their rank number one in that left field position winker mm-hmm. now it's him and that makes a lot more sense well to be fair to robbie ray you know i don't feel like he should just be remembered for what happened 
in that game? No, not at all. Well, hopefully he's going to be remembered for winning some playoff games this year. Yeah, and the- I, listen, he's now you got another ace on the team. Uh, arguably, Luis Castillo is just you know more in the zone than Robbie Ray is. He's somebody that you know we have him for four seasons, right? Four more seasons. He might be somebody that we see that hey, this year he's number two. Next year he's the middle of the rotation. By the end of that contract he might be down in that situation where marco's at but that's still somebody that's gonna go out there and pitch seven eight innings and you know we're talking about right now instead of playoff matchups we're talking about six months 162 games i think over a long stretch like that he's very 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 valuable to getting you to that dance again I mean, the Mariners, it was a great sign by them. Good money for, you know, five years. Unfortunately for him, I mean, not unfortunately, but, you know, he's a reigning Cy Young Award winner, and that brings a lot of pedigree and expectation to it. And maybe it was unwarranted. I mean, he went 13-13. and There were some games that, um, that he didn't get the win later on in the innings, and that happens. But there was more expectation for him better than a 13-13 season. Yeah, I think there was that expectation, but again, you go back to when he was on the Diamondbacks, uh, and you look at that, and it 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 seemed like it was always missing an ingredient again. You yeah, know? as a two pitch pitcher for sure. Yeah, and so I do feel like getting another bona fide ace was such a good move for this team and for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we have him, that's for sure. Robbie Ray went from being, at the start of the year, like, hey, everything's riding on this guy's shoulder as number one. He should be, you know, when we think of a number one, when Felix was our number one, when we had other pitchers, Randy Johnson or whoever, like, our ace, a Cy Young guy, that means you go out there and you should just win every game that they're starting. That wasn't That wasn't the case for Ray, and I don't, I never really bought into that. That's the way it was going to be. Absolutely. And what I like about him, is, and the numbers showed, you know, he played well against the other teams for, other than the Astros. But even though that was the case, he adapted a new pitch along the way throughout the season. You know, he uh, developed that two seam that really was effective for him. And the Mariners helped him along with that. And he, it, it helped him out throughout the year. Absolutely. In the dog days of summer, this guy was carrying the team. If we get the same season out of him during the 162 that we did this year, I would be totally fine. Of course, we all want the postseason to be a little bit differently. Ninja? I think one of the biggest reasons we brought him on, on our team was to be the workhorse. He's that foundation of your pitching staff that eats up innings and is – you know, even when he's not doing so good, he's eating up innings and he's providing the rest for your bullpen. And uh, that's the, like, untangible stat that comes with it. But for the Mariners, one of the interesting stats is we had we had six starters last year. Castillo, Ray, Kirby, Logan, Marco, and Flexen. And they made every start for the Mariners except for eight games. And, you know, uh, Robbie Ray ate up. 200 innings, 190 innings, uh, you know, Logan Gilbert, another 200 innings, 100, 190 innings. So our starting pitching is being that workhorse and uh, providing, you know, the 
for our relief pitchers to come in late in games and be and be fresh, even for the next guy. Hey, I'm glad you brought that up because he deserves that. I mean, being the workhorse that he was and Marco flexing, they threw a lot of innings. That's important, you know. Like you said, giving the bullpen only having to go maybe seven, eight, nine, or eight, nine. That's a big thing to help those arms out down at the finish of the game. And I'm I'm. I kind of sometimes sound a little negative about Robbie, and I don't mean that, but that was a big, big thing to bring up about how much of a workhorse he is. Yeah, he is a workhorse. The other guy that we call a workhorse, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, is Marco. But, like, we have to remember, we gave Marco a nice contract. You give Robbie Ray the same kind of, like, markety uh, contract, which wasn't too much for a Cy Young guy. And now, if you're saying this is going to be our workhorse for the next three or four years and maybe we don't have marco and and we have up and coming guys that are going to move all, up the ladder while he slides I'm down all a little bit it's a, it. it's a good thing and listen he's one of these guys that's a culture guy uh, a clubhouse guy has events and theme things at his house uh he you know he he's not a wallflower he's not disconnected with the team he's a definite huge part of the culture which we know's Everything, especially looking at what's coming up the pipeline. And we're talking about Robbie Ray being our number two right now. But, you know, Hannah's talking about an up-and-coming guy, which is going to be Logan Gilbert, which could actually be our number two. Which, which I would yeah. say right now, just going off of this on the list, he's number three, you know. And if you don't know who Logan Gilbert is, you might know him as Walter. He has the alter ego, Walter. Yeah, on but, pitching days. But, yeah, this is a guy, you know, that was our, you know, number one draft pick, 14th overall in 2018. He came up in 2021, uh, kind of, you know, had a lull, but then really put it together and was a, one of the guys we were riding down the 2021 stretch down to 162. Last year, definitely put together. To start the season off, we all thought, Man, maybe this guy is going to be a Cy Young candidate. This guy's a shoe-in for the All-Star game. Neither of those things happened, but guess what? Kind of the same trend from the year before. Down the stretch, this guy was nails. I mean, if you compare the stats of Logan Gilbert and Robbie Ray last year, they're very comparable. So, I mean, that's a, a compliment to Logan Gilbert, you know, to come that far in, in his MLB career to be, you know, that caliber pitcher up there with Robbie Ray. Yeah, and, and I hear some of the naysayers yeah. about him, and they try to always pin him up against Kirby, right? And they're like, well, this is what you might get from Gilbert. I don't know if the ceiling's much higher. Who, if that the ceiling isn't any fucking higher, you already got a, a bona fide number two who's 25 years old. He's 6'6". He's probably going to get some muscle on him. I could see him, you know, getting a little bit of increase on that fastball. Hey, it's a good problem to have, you know, between yeah. him and Kirby coming up there. It could be interchangeable in the in the rotation. I don't really care. But, you know, Gilbert, he's a, he can throw five pitches for strikes, you know, in different locations. Um, he came up before Kirby. Uh, he, he really solidified that high fastball against teams oh, last year and blew people 90s. away. He was hitting high 90s at the end of last season. Yeah, and I love, again, the – the alter ego. Yeah. Walter. It, the Walter ego. And his Walter pitching style ego. is so great because he goes after guys. He challenges them, you know, and he's very successful. And we're talking about Castillo, and there's all these shades to Felix. Felix had the Larry Bernandez thing. It was, it was more of a joking thing. But 
the, you know, Logan, the, the report on him is that, you know, where he's had these lulls during the season, we had to, you know, have him miss a start because last year was his first full 162. And again, these are guys during the COVID shortened season that were on taxi squad. So they lost a whole damn season. And the other report on him is that he takes his pregame and his and his days leading up to the pitch so well, and he's yeah. so locked in that they're kind of. I've heard Jerry talk about it, where they're like, "We've kind of had to talk to him about like, like easing up on that." Yeah, he's got a routine and he sticks to it. It's quite intense, and he's he's proud of his craft. I'll tell you something though: you'll never hear a bad thing about Logan Gilbert out of the Ninja because. The Ninja came down to SoCal, and uh, we went to Logan Gilbert's very first uh, game that he won, and you got a selfie with him. I got a selfie with him. Got to, well, not meet the parents, but, you know, they were down there. His family (laughs) was down there. Everyone was excited for him. Yeah, it was a real cool scene. Yeah, you weren't in your ninja garb either. It's uh, no, it's no. too hot, too hot. That's so you took a selfie before with him before he got iced on that golden shoulder? Yep. (laughs) Got it right here. Yeah, uh, but Logan, again, I I think this is somebody, if we get the same season out of him, where I know we're looking at him and we'll get into Kirby and these other guys, we're like, what do you think they're going to be next year? Well, I feel like stamping those hard expectations on them and they don't meet it, then it's like they regressed. If it's somewhere similar, now that the league knows you and you know it's a league where they catch up to you, right? If it's somewhere around... The same season he has again, we're in good fucking shape. I mean, it's going to be cool to see. I mean, if uh, Kirby is kind of where Logan was last year. Absolutely. And it's going to be nice to see if Kirby can step his game up the way Logan stepped his game up. And, man, if we had, you know, that going for us, that's going to be huge for the Mariners. It is. No, they got, just talking about those first three guys that we mentioned, Starting a series, you're feeling really good that you should win series going into throughout the season. That's exciting as a Mariner fan, winning series and getting a ton of wins. What 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 was your old saying you had last uh, year, Hanno? Just win series, baby. Yeah, yeah, just win the series, baby. So here on the MLB, they have Marco Gonzalez locked down as our number four. I don't. Uh, I don't think we all don't agree with that. So we'll get to Marco. We we kind of all we, we all in agreement. It's Marco and it's flexing at six, five six, right? So let's just say number four right now. Let's get into him. The guy who probably had the most, you know, improvement or ascension or arrival last year, George Kirby. Yeah, he was dynamic. I mean, not starting the season, kind of. I mean, he 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 wasn't the one who was chosen to start. It was in the brash. Rotation. Yeah, it was brash. And Han- and Ninja and I both were down there. We went to the game where it was getting towards the end of the season. It was the same game with the Julio, or same weekend with the Julio. Uh, maybe it was even the same game. I, I can't remember. It was the Julio uh in the park home run, there was a game where Brash and Kirby both started, and Kirby w- got the start, and Brash came in, and Brash just pitched better. But you want to know now, looking at it now, there was maybe some foreshadowing where Brash came in later in the game and had a better game, and uh, that seemed to be where we need him on the team. 
But yes, Kirby came up, and once we got to the playoffs, I I would I feel safe saying he was the best starting pitcher we had outside of Castillo, but all around on the team in the playoffs, maybe the best pitcher. You know, he had the, he had the big close in uh, Toronto. The ceiling feels high for him. No, the thing for me is trust. I trust him. I mean, incredible. Like we said, Brash started the season, then he came in, never pitched in AAA, came into the big leagues and shoved. I mean, he was impressive. He's a year younger than, uh, or about a year younger than uh, uh, Logan Gilbert. He was drafted, actually, the year before him. Uh, He was another one of our number one uh, draft picks, 20th overall. So he has lived up to, like, hey, this this person has arrived. And, again, if we just get more of what we got last year from him, we're in good shape. And could ultimately be a number two at some time. George, where do you think the ceiling is on Kirby? I think, like, we have a number one in Castillo, and we have three number twos right now. And they're yeah. all very similar, and that's a really good problem to have. You know, Absolutely. Any, Castillo is starting our first game of an of a playoff game. The number two starter is determined by matchups. You know, like I mentioned earlier with trust. I mean, you saw that in the playoffs. Who was in there in the final outs in the pressure pack situation on the road in Toronto? Kirby. They trust him. Yeah, and this is the guy that when we were going to the bullpen and they were going to warm up starters i was hoping it was him again and i mean a lot of i mean we all hear different things from different experts a lot of people that i've heard said that kirby probably has the better upside than logan if you can believe that especially bill Kruger. you know on the post game he loves to he loves to always give logan the backhanded compliments i don't get it i like them both uh, I yeah, like, like Nita the said a problem, a good problem to have. Good, excellent problem to have, and I think if there is a pitcher that we are going to see a step forward, definitely it's probably going to be Kirby this year on the team. So before we go on, do you guys have any concerns with these young guys? Do you want to see them throw every fifth day? Do you want to see them maybe take a, a series off or miss a start? What's your, or do you just say, hey, let's roll with them? No, nope. I want to see a five-man rotation, and I want to see Castillo out there every fifth day. And you got to give them the pitching support to make that happen. And if you have that hot pitcher as your number two, you got to give him that, that start right after Castillo, and you got to ride that the whole season. And you can't um, – yeah, we're not a six-pitcher a six pitcher rotation. You might be if they're showing fatigue or, like, right before the all-star break or we're going to get some breaks to throw a, a bullpen game or something in there. But you want to see our top four pitchers and then – No, I, I, I agree with you. I was just one – I, I should have worded it better, but just wondering if Logan or Kirby should get skipped a start. But I agree with you. Well, speaking of Logan and Kirby, the stat department just got back to me. Logan is nine months older than Kirby, so they could be, I guess, Irish twins is, I is, the, thing the, I is the thing that they should be right here. Like, uh, I, think, I think the owner of uh, Murphy's really likes that. There, she's playing the drums. What I saw with Logan last year was increase in velocity towards the end of the year. I really like to see that. And then I'd... I don't remember if Kirby was throwing that hard or bumping it up too. 
but it would be nice to see Kirby thrown in that high 90s also. We're looking at innings. How many innings did they did they throw this year? Uh, this, that department, do you know off the Yeah, end? I know. Well, Kirby threw like 135. Logan threw 185. Roughly? Uh, yeah, Robbie Ray threw 186. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, so they're so, so they're, the main guys other than than George were in the low hundreds or I, I want to see those guys get up to close to 200. 200 innings is the goal. Yes. So if you can get your if we can get four guys throwing 200 innings, maybe Kirby oh a little bit tailed less than those guys, yeah, but remember we at at uh, the all-star break, we let Kirby have almost like 3 or 4 weeks off. We yeah, and, and got sent to the minors, right? Yeah, just to like it was a genius move. Mm-hmm. It was. So this year, hopefully, he's stretched out. He's a little, you know, a little bit further in his career. He's going to be able to hit that 180 inning mark, like Logan did last year, because Logan was pretty much in the same boat two years ago. Yeah, you. I totally agree with you. See that same step that Logan made this last year. Have Kirby make the same step. Yeah. And and I think we can all agree this is our one, two, three, four. Put them however you want, right? You know, uh, you could say Castillo, Ray, Kirby, Logan. You could say well, Castillo, Logan, uh, Ray, Kirby. These one, two, three, four. We're, I think we're all in agreement, and I think most people are that these I, are your four. I and don't wanna, I honestly wouldn't want to limit Logan Gilbert because he has the opportunity to become. Even better than Castillo, you know. That's, and I, that's I, his threshold. And if we can get him to, we're like, we're talking about this next year, and we're like, whoa, Logan was our best pitcher, and Castillo's number two. Wow, and how how of course awesome would that be? I agree, that is awesome. I'm just saying, like these four, you already have them penciled in for every game, yeah. or every- penciled in as the starting four. I'd say yeah. even Sharpie did. These <laughs> are the guys, these are the guys. I'm Sharpieing this in. Uh, now let's get to the area of concern, not concern. It's the gray not con- area. The gray area. There you go. The gray area, and it's a good problem to have. Just like Ninja saying, we have a good problem to have. We have two guys around the same age uh, that haven't done anything wrong out on the mound. Like they haven't done anything wrong, and in fact, you know, Gonzalez was our five. He was uh, our. One, uh, uh, just a few years ago. So put that into perspective of what the Mariners have been doing as far as their starting pitching. And then you have Flexen, this this dude that was just like one of the best finds, you know, outside of MLB in recent history. This is your five. This is your six. And just to recap, just to recap, in the last season, when... We acquired Castillo. One of these two had to go to the bullpen. Flexen was the guy who went to the bullpen. Marco was your number five innings eater. Uh, where do you see this going? And I know I kind of heard that you were talking about the five. I see it as a weak spot for our rotation, honestly. I think there's a lot more pitchers in MLB that would be better suited in that number five position. And that's just me being honest. This. Um, so you'd I, like to outsource it? We went this offseason without signing another pitcher, without signing another starting pitcher. Who was some, who is somebody that you would have got, though? Uh, DeGrom, definitely. <laughs> another number one? <laughs> come on. Yes, I mean, definitely. come on. Hey, you can put I'm, stipulations on it. I, I've said all last seasons we need to sign DeGrom in the offseason. Championship. 
and we need to sign Shohei next year. It's not my checkbook. Uh, it's not mine either, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just being realistic, man. Yeah. Uh, I, hey, I hear you. The right if, option wasn't out there. We have some minor leaguers coming up that could be better options, but I like to see almost a one-to-one ratio of Ks to innings out of my pitcher. And Marco's, uh, for lack of a better, like not, not Jamie Moyer, you know, he's not that left-handed, crafty, like slow pitcher. And, you know, that changes the pace for the Mariners rotation. Eh. Definitely. Jamie Moyer missed bats. Uh, Marco Gonzalez is a pitch-to-hit contact type of pitcher for mm-hmm. sure. But he gave you innings. He, he, he does. He, he gives you a chance to win. And, listen, we – He's crafty, too, in his way. I mean, he can he – can, he can shut out, shut down a team at times. He's the mixed. It should be Marco mixed emotions Gonzalez because you watch this dude and listen. We're He's on a text thread. Ninety one. No, we're we're pit, we're bitching, we're moaning. God damn it! He, he gave up a, a fucking two run shot yeah. to start the game, and then yeah. you turn around and it's the top of the seventh, and he's still in there. And, and it's now still, it's, they've only it's given a, up two it's, runs. It's still a one run game, you know. And let's not forget, oh, you know, back and not too far long ago, we had some pitchers that would go out there and give you a five or six, you know, slot with the shitty offense that we had, and it was over. It was fucking over. Yeah, I mean, Marco, every once in a while, will give you, he'll give up a couple bombs, and it, it is over. But more than not, he will give you that quality start that will give you a chance to win that ball game. And I, listen, I'm going to talk him up. He's definitely somebody that I feel like we were like, he, we're going to trade him this offseason. We wanted him gone, or he was worth something where, again, I've said this before, maybe the worst versus just him being a five starter or flexing as well is maybe in June, mm-hmm. July, when another team blows a tire, his worst might go up. Absolutely. I mean, that could be a, a trade chip to get you some offense if you're struggling out there, if you got some injuries somewhere. You have, uh, we'll talk about it later, some quality pitchers that might be on the cusp of making the big league roster or pretty close at that time. So, yeah, it's a good problem to have, to have a guy like Marco possibly flexing. Flexing used to be our four before Marco last year, before we got Castillo. He was another guy who ate up innings. Flexing was our best pitcher in 2021. Absolutely. I mean, he's got, he can get guys out. That's what it's all about, keeping you in the game. Low runs, you know, keeping guys off balance. He's he's another solid major league pitcher. I think they're going to be there for the first half of the season or up until the trade deadline, but we're really going to be focusing on getting that uh, number five starter at the trade deadline. Somebody's going to become available. I don't you know? Don't know who it is yet. To me, I yeah, season's got to play out first. Yeah, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but to me, come playoff time, the number five starters non-existent they're not even on the roster no they just got to get you there you know yeah this is for the 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 the, the, not the sprint but the marathon part of the season to get you into the playoffs and i feel again trading marco and flexing unless somebody really wanted these guys in the off season we probably weren't getting offers that were worth it and i feel like this is 
Well, the thing with Flex and his contract's up at the end of the year. So that that has a lot to do with it, too, of how much you can get for, Horn, for him and at what point. If it's later on at the trade deadline, it won't be as much. Um, if it's early on in the spring, you know, it'll be a little bit more. And then Marco has, I believe, a year to go after this year, correct? Yeah, and I want to ask you guys, would you, who are you putting at five if we're only going with a five-man rotation? Who would you put, but who do you think we're going to go with? Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I like Bryce Miller. I mean, well, you want to go in a totally so, different so, direction. So you're thinking that maybe somebody else could come in and squeeze these guys out. Yes, I do. I, I think, like, uh, yeah, it's our, our – I mean, it's a good problem to have is Marco is our, you know, our least strong pitcher, you know. But to have somebody come up like uh, Kirby did last year, you know, what if Bryce Miller comes comes up and has a, a season like Kirby did so or takes we, his shit to the next level? So you're looking, I mean, the names that have been brought up here throughout, you know, the offseason of guys that could be ready to. Or trade pieces. Yeah. Emerson Hancock, Bryce Miller, who you mentioned, Taylor Dollard, Brian Wu, besides Marco and Flex, and you want all those guys to go for the fifth starter or to challenge for the fifth starter. Like I last would year. really like to see Brash versus Bryce Miller competing for that fifth spot during spring training. For opening uh, being that fifth spot. Or I here's where I can maybe get on board with that. I don't think that they these guys, you want them coming up opening the roster with them, but mm-hmm. definitely what we've been doing in the last couple of years, where we bring up Logan or we bring up Kirby, I could definitely yeah. see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you see any of those big four that we mentioned that are in the waiting? I know there are a lot of their starters. Could you see them maybe getting put into a bullpen situation? I think definitely. Just uh, like Brash proved last year that if it's not working for the starting, you can come in and be like, Oh man, so valuable in the seventh inning, in that situational, you know, high um, high leverage situations. We we're bringing bright, we we're bringing brash in. You know you what's know? interesting too about that is you you these guys are all double A guys, and you never would have thought they're going to make the jump. But Kirby made the jump last year, so it's kind of a thing how the that's where your best yeah. prospects are in the pitching come right from double A. They don't even waste them during their time in AAA to for innings or anything. I feel like people like the um, like the off-pace pitcher where after you have all these fireballers coming in, then you have this left-handed like kind of slow things down and like as your number 5 it, a different speed pitcher, just different look, different arm angle. No, I can agree with you there. The 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 game has changed. It's all power arms. So yeah, with a Marco I, type player, I, yeah, I want to see that number five starter be a, a power arm for us, also throwing in the high nineties. I I'd be down with that, uh, but I also feel like Flexen and Marco, besides moving their stock up, because we might need a bat. You know, we might need a bat. I think we're going to need a bat. Well, yeah. But I feel, I, I feel like their, their value could spike even as early as spring training because you never know who's going to show up. And with the WBC, it's a different kind of animal, especially on the arms. We could see that happen. We also could see this happen later down in the season when another team needs that 
starter that these guys might be, uh, depending like what how your team is made up, these guys might be more valuable to a team that puts up six, seven runs in a game. And the other value in keeping them now, because we've been like, why don't we trade them? I'm not saying we haven't said that, but it's that going off of what you're saying, Ninja, you want to see the Hancocks or you want to see Miller up here. This is an insurance to make sure they're brought up at the right time. And when they get brought up, they're not going to be throwing complete game shutouts. No, and they're going to have innings innings, uh, restrictions like Kirby. I mean, and we don't know that if they come up, they'll be ready to go. You know, with the success that a uh, George Kirby had. I mean, that that doesn't happen that often. And all the guys that we've named and, you know, Logan, I throw him into that now, and we'll see what happens with Kirby. Every one of these guys, no matter what's going on, innings, eater, potential guys, which is going to keep the bullpen fresh. That's what I like about all these guys. Oh, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's for me, like I said, the contract is a, it's got to be part of the deal to me. Um, I think that, like you said, it, it could be a great trade ship. Um, throughout the season at any point early on or at the deadline to, uh, you know, it makes sense to me if a National League need, team needed another starter to ship him to the National League versus us having to face him. But oh. there's, it's a great problem to have for the Mariners. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I see the value in, you know, Marco or a Flexen is a long relief pitcher. And then that guy that can come out of your bullpen or a number six starter or, a, you know, a bullpen day, is that's your guy you're going to. But not as a number five starter. I want to see more of a high strikeout to walk ratio, you know, at least one strikeout per inning kind of guy who's thrown in the high 90s. No, that's- I don't. I, I'm with you. I don't disagree with you. It's a. It's a great problem to have. It's a great conversation to have. And this conversation is going to continue on as we lead up into spring training. It's going to be a real fun spring training to watch. Like, listen, this is a complete different discussion than what's going on with the lineup and and left field and, and what was going on as far as the depths coming off the bench. We're going to get more into this. Like I said, on the episodes coming up, we're running out of time here. But also, just want to give another shout out and thanks to Shelly and Murphy's on 45th in Wallingford. Go check it out, especially Wing Monday. I can vouch for that. That shit is already it's popping. Get the get the tie chili. Uh, yeah, you know, shepherd's little, pie was awesome. The too, shepherd's pie way. was bomb. Uh, they got. Yes, and try the vodka sugar-free Red Bulls. That's the, that's their signature drink here at the, at, at Murphy's. Anyways, uh, again, this is the Rye Bread and Mustard <laughs> Mariners podcast. We'll be back. You know, you like, you subscribe. You know, you don't have to play this guessing game. You know, we're we're ramping up, right, Hannah? We're ramping the hell up. Episodes will be flying out whenever we want them to come out. Now, right? Yeah, you've got me booked. Yeah, I got you. I got you booked. Anyways, again, thanks to Murphy's on 45th, the oldest Irish bar in all the land of Seattle. Again, thanks for listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners Pod, a Mariners podcast here on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting your podcast action from. 
And if you're getting it from Spotify, no, no, no. How about if you're getting it from Apple? Make sure to, you know, write and write us a review. Write us a review. Give us a rating. We love five tool baseball players, just like any other uh, GM, any other analytic guy, any other baseball fan. But you know what? We like more at the Rye Bread and Mustard a Mariners podcast is those five star reviews. So hit us with that five star review. Hit us up on the socials. Uh, and we're, you know, if you really have to write us a strongly worded email, hit us at Rye Bread and Mustard podcast at Gmail. Dot com. Yeah, we got one of those at dot coms. That's right. And uh, if you actually like us, we'd like to hear that too. Yes, yes. Uh, do we have a trivia question for... Um, I do. I got For one. this episode that you get a free t-shirt? Sure. Who would, back in the kingdom, the Mariners raised the right field wall and had that out-of-town scoreboard. Can you name the first Mariner player to hit it off the right field scoreboard in the kingdom? So to be clear, the first Mariner player to hit the ball off of the Rays right field scoreboard, the scoreboard that went on right field. How about Instagram this time? The last time we said it was Twitter. This time on Instagram, first person to message us on the thread of who that player was. Thousand dollar gift card to Best Buy. It gets a thousand dollar gift card to Circuit City. And your card and, detail and, by Myron. <laughs> and fries. You get a fries. Circuit City. I will give you a thousand dollar gift card to Circuit City. And a date with Ninja. And a date with Ninja. And a. Uh, but more importantly, a, a rye bread and mustard t-shirt. So hit us up, check us out, add us. But you also got to be one of our friends and follow us. Okay, there's lots of there's lots of little written rules on the race. Anyways, I'm gonna shut the hell up, Hanno. You know what fucking time it is. Charge. <laughs>